0: This episode is brought to you in association with ereceptionist.co.uk. Phone calls, eh? What a nightmare. First your phone is somewhere, then you don't know where it is, and you miss the call, and miss calls mean miss business, so why not have all your calls answered professionally, then diverted to you or a colleague? All your calls get answered with a greeting bespoke to your business. You can get a real UK landline number instantly. Without any installation, calls are diverted to your existing mobile or landline. E-Receptionist uses real phone lines so you don't get any dodgy VOIP experience. No contract, no additional hardware required... And you can even use it with existing phone numbers. So what are you waiting for? Get somebody else to answer your phone calls. Try it now and you'll get 60 days free rather than the standard 30 days by visiting ereceptionist.co.uk forward slash arsblog. That's ereceptionist.co.uk forward slash arsblog. I'm just going to let that ring because uh, e-receptionists are going to get that for me. Hmm? Yep. Hello there. Welcome to another Arsblog Arsecast right here on Arsblog.com. Hope you're well. This is episode number 369 of the Arsecast, which is quite a cool number. I'm sure I've told you before on this podcast about my... I don't know if you would call it a love, but I have this thing where I see numbers and I try and make patterns out of them, particularly with car number plates. So if there's a a car ahead of me in traffic, I'll try and figure out some kind of pattern to the the numbers on the number plate. But 369 is a great number because, obviously, it's sequential. You've got 3, 6, and 9. Then you've got 3 plus 6 equals 9, so you're using the numbers there. 9 minus 6 equals 3. That's good. Three by six is eighteen. Minus nine is nine. That's also good. What else is there? I don't know. There's probably more of them. Thirty-six divided by nine is four. Well, that's nothing. But there you go. Uh, that's I'm I'm kind of out of it. I just realized that now as I was looking at it. I probably should have you know worked it out done a bit more mathematics on it, but there you go, episode number 369, so welcome along, and I hope you're you're doing okay today, we weren't here last week obviously because of the international break, but we're back, we've got football this weekend to look forward to, and of course we've got lots of football to look forward to in general between now and the next international break, which is not until March, March of next year, so that's good. You don't have to worry about players going away and getting scrunched while they're uh, playing for their countries. Thankfully, that didn't happen this, uh, this particular break. I'm sure there will be some physical effects from some of the journeys and trips and matches that they play. But nobody, as far as we're aware at this point in time, has picked up another injury, which is, which is a good thing. That is a good thing. I should tell you that this particular arsecast, it is laden, laden down with prizes for you to win. Particularly, and I know this is going to sound a bit strange, particularly men with beards. Yes, we have some products to give away from a company called Percy Nobleman or Percy Nobleman. I don't know. How do you say that? Nobleman, Nobleman. He's a Percy Nobleman. Anyway, there's a real whiff of um, Andrew Allen off Percy Nobleman. I'm sitting here surrounded by these bottles of beard wash and beard balm. And it's like having lots of Andrew Allens looking at me. It's, it's all a bit strange. But anyway, I'll give you details of how you can win those a, a little bit later on for those of you with, with beards. And I'm sure that there are many of you out there who do have beards. We are living in the era of beards, aren't we? I know there's a, a sort of um, an association with hipsters and all that kind of stuff. But beards are cool. I like beards. I think more men should wear beards. I think more men should wear hats. I mean, how do we know now... When a group of men are really, really happy about something, remember when they used to go huzzah and throw their hats in the air, their caps in the air, and everyone knew that everyone around them was was very happy. Now, oh, cheers! They could be pretending. You can't just you can't fake a cap throw in the air or a throw of a hat in the air. So, more hats, please, gentlemen. I think that's what we need, anyway. Bearded gentlemen, listen out later on for your chance to win some fantastic products to keep your beard in tip-top condition. As well as that, we've also got a prize to give away from our good friends at Savile Rogue. You don't need to be a watcher of Game of Thrones to know that winter is coming and Savile Rogue make great things to keep you warm. Tonight we've got a brilliant prize, a uh, cashmere sweater to give away, worth £149. So uh, make sure you keep your ears peeled a bit later on for details on how you can win that. So there you go. Lots of prizes to give away on this particular Cast, which is good because, you know, there's not a great deal to talk about. It's been a very quiet international break from an Arsenal point of view, of course, but obviously other things have happened in this international break which have made headlines and remain talking points and, I don't know, we just wish people would leave each other alone, right? That what happened in Paris is awful and what happens to people... Every single day all over the world, ordinary people who just want to live a life like we do and just want to be happy and work and mind their kids and see them grow up and see their grandkids and not have to live in fear or under tyranny or the yoke of oppression because of somebody else's ideology or, or, or desire for power. Whatever it is, they use it as a, an excuse to behave in a way that nobody should behave and I'm all for personal freedom. I believe fully that people should be able to do whatever they want. They should be able to believe whatever they want. But that should never ever come at the expense of somebody else. That you can pray or you can not pray. You can behave in ways, whether it's morally, sexually, whatever it is, other people may not like, but as long as you don't do anything to hurt other people, what difference does it make? It shouldn't make any difference to anybody else, but it just gets um, a little bit depressing at times, doesn't it? When you see things happen with such regularity and in a way, and it sounds terrible to say that you become inured to the deaths of innocent people, but I, I think that's just the human condition, the way we try and deal with it, because otherwise you go mad. But look, sorry about that, bit of a tangent, football is back, and football is something that has brought all of us here together. You're listening to my voice because of football, and I'm talking to you because of football. Otherwise, I'd be a very strange man indeed, sitting here talking into a microphone to nobody for no good reason. That's not to say I wouldn't do that. I probably would. In fact, I I have. But we won't go there. The Andrew tapes, hopefully, will never see the light of day. What happened in Paris is something we're going to have to come back to with our guest in a couple of moments' time. But first, let's do a competition for Savile Rogue, right? Savile-Rogue.com. They make the finest cashmere stuff that you will find anywhere. Hearts, I was going to say. Hearts? They do not make cashmere hearts. They make hats. They make scarves, they make gloves, they've got sweaters, they've got wrist warmers, they've got hip flasks. They've got a ton of stuff there for you to wear, or that would make fantastic Christmas presents for the football fan in your life. No question for this one, this is for a £149 cashmere sweater, which you can see on the website. And that's what you've got to do to enter the competition. Simply go to savel roguecom That's savile roguecom Look in the top left and just tell me what the logo is. Very simple. So look at the Savile Rogue website, tell me what the logo is, and email your answer, please, to competition at arsblog.com. That's competition at arsblog.com, and I will give you the winner of that on next week's Arscast. The winners of the competition that we did on the Arscast Extra on Monday will be announced a bit later on in this show. So there we go. We're kind of on top of things. We're moving on. We're moving forward. We're getting into it. So let Let's talk to somebody about what's happened this week because uh, obviously the events in Paris uh, were a big thing. Uh, there was also some stuff from Arsene Wenger, which is very interesting, talking not for the first time in recent memory about performance enhancing drugs, about doping in football, whether or not it's a, a big issue for the game. So I'm going to talk to somebody who knows a lot about both of those things. And as always, I'm delighted to welcome to the show Philippe Eau Claire. Hi, Philippe. Hi, Andrew. The international break is... Um, it's difficult to know where to start with this one because normally we look at it as a pain in the arse, but this one has taken on huge resonance, yeah. not simply for football, but also for for the people of France.
1: Yes, it's very difficult to to know what to say, really, because uh, uh, the occasion in, in Wembley, I mean, I was there, obviously, um, was something very peculiar. Um, the fact that the players managed to go through the the whole 90 minutes with the kind of dedication they did is quite remarkable and the way they they managed to um strike exactly the right balance um, i mean it's one thing which was really quite staggering i mean it was incredibly emotional for, for everybody concerned mm. um but for once the fa did the things well and um both teams behaved absolutely magnificently. It was not overdone, which is one thing. One, of, It was one of my fears that you can overdo this sort of thing. It was very dignified. Yeah. Um, and it was done with just the right measure of respect. And, and the game was actually a decent game of football as well, which I know sounds completely ridiculous, but it did matter a bit as a matter of fact, you know, that it was a game of football which people enjoyed and uh, the atmosphere within the stadium is something that... I'd never experienced before, and I must say in some ways, I, I hope never to experience again because of the circumstances. Um, you know, this one thing is that every single person who's lived in Paris or has friends in Paris, it's only a matter of degrees of separation. And we all know somebody who was directly involved in in the attacks, or we know somebody who knows somebody who was involved in the attacks, and of course, as you know, Lassane Diara lost his, uh, one of his cousins, and uh, Antoine Griezmann um, was a very, very worried man uh, because of his sister, I'm sure it's valid for other. I mean, for example, you know, um, we should mention his name, actually. Um, a football blogger called uh, Moké um, from the website enjeu.net in France uh, was among the victims of the Bataclan, and somebody that a number of people would have been corresponding with on Twitter and things like that. So. It's a it's a very very odd yeah. strange atmosphere all round and but the fact that football carried on is uh, uh, I, mean, I think I said I said that I say it again I mean, for once the football family was uh, an expression that meant something and not some kind of. Um, Stupid statement by said Blatter or somebody of that kind.
0: Yeah, exactly. There, there's a tendency, perhaps, to for things to to become a bit mawkish. But I think what happened at Wembley, um, you, you know, was a real statement of what the best of football can be in terms of how it brings people together and how, yes. even in difficult circumstances, it can unify people and, and 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 provide solidarity and comfort and healing and and all of those things. Uh, the effect, though, on perhaps some of the players on the night, we saw Lauren Koscielny in the. Looking particularly distraught uh, because of the emotion of the moment, and Arsene Wenger spoke today. And I know you haven't quite seen the the comments yet, so I'll 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 read them out to you. Mm -hmm. Arsene Wenger said today about Koscielny, he had a fantastic game against Germany and you could see that on Tuesday night he was not himself. It affected him deeply and I didn't recognize the player I saw on Friday night on Tuesday night. He said, I'll talk to him, I'll talk to him to see if he's completely recovered and focused and he's talking about the game against West Brom then. He says, you have to trust the player in these kind of situations. Today in the Premier League, you don't get away with 80% focus, you have to be completely committed and what I want from him is that he Feels completely committed and feels ready. If not, I I won't. I won't play him, which is completely understandable. Completely Um, understandable, absolutely. So I think we, you know, the the effect that it might have, you know, even in a very insular way on Arsenal and the team. And I don't, I don't know about Olivier Giroud, for example, but surely he must be feeling something very similar.
1: I would imagine so. In the case of Olivier Giroud, unfortunately for him, I think that there is not much of a choice for Arsene Wenger. Um, what do you do if you can't rely on Olivier Giroud as, as a number nine? Mm. Uh, at West Brom, there's simply no alternative, really, at the moment. Um, as far as Laurent Cousin is concerned, well, you know, we can, we can think of him. Um, Gabriel can slot in, no problem. Mm. I don't think that's going to be a problem, but... Uh, on the other hand, you know, I'm wondering if, if, if for a player precisely like Cosierni or Olivier Giroud, for that matter, uh, it would be, um, uh, it would be uh, a means to go back to normality as soon as possible. You know, to train with your teammates, to go to a different bubble, yeah, and and to to get out of the bubble that you've been in for for, for days, and um, to experience the uh, the joy of playing and and the joy of competing again. So. It's something which is very difficult to uh, uh, to, to assess um, very difficult to find words honestly and yeah. it's it's uh, I don't know exactly what to expect um, this weekend um, um, also because um, the operations are ongoing and the you know the state of balance in France as you you know as you know it's basically we're Um, state of emergency Uh, there's a vote I mean as we speak I don't think there's any response for um, any uh, response from the National Assembly as to whether the state of emergency will be extended to three months which of course will have by the way some implications football wise Uh, certainly in terms of the games being played and um, the security concerns which will obviously um, affect all of the fixtures Yeah. um, um, what is a softer target than a football game to which, you know, 40,000 people are going?
0: Well, this was the terrifying thing, really, um, about what, what happened. And you saw the pictures, and I'm sure you've seen the clip of the, the explosion yeah, um, and and inside the ground, people reacted in a way that they cheered because they, they think it's a firecracker or they think it's um, yes. fireworks or something like that. And all of a sudden, you realise that look, this is this is something that could have had a profound effect on the people who were there that night beyond w- what they experienced already, but also for football in general. And you know, if there's a state of emergency in France and it's going to affect football there, the rest of Europe would be very. Unwise not to consider how it might affect them also.
1: Well, you see what happened in Hanover with the uh, Germany-Netherlands game, which was called off. Um, You saw what happened in Belgium as well. A game was called off. Of course, Belgium, which is um, where some of the terrorists hailed from, uh, if the word hailed can be used in that context. Um, and it's bound to have repercussions. On the other hand, I'm also thinking back, Andrew, to uh, what happened in London in, in July 2005. It's something I've already said a number of times, but one of the most remarkable things is how quickly, um, I wouldn't say we got back to normal because it was not normal at the time, but the fixtures which took place after those events and not that long after this event, every, you know, there were increased security measures, obviously. 52 people had lost their lives. Um, But, you know, the Emirates was full and um, Stamford Bridge and White Hart Lane and all these other places in in London were full as well. Mm. And people showed with, you know, their feet and their season ticket uh, that they wanted to carry on. So, but it will have repercussions. Uh, I sincerely don't think, well, not in the current circumstances, that it will have an impact on... Uh, the 2016 Euros, which is something that people are already talking about, but it's clear that um, the security measures will have to be increased uh, quite drastically uh, around stadiums in France and for that reason elsewhere.
0: It is the only way to react, though, isn't it? And I think that's kind of yes. what, what, what made Wembley on Tuesday so powerful because it was only hours 48 hours after more or less what had happened in Paris that this show of unity from everybody who was there and from the people who watched and the people I mean we've had minute silences before and they've been hugely well respected but this was this was something a bit Uh, Special is not the right word But you could feel the power of that moment Because it meant something else Beyond the tribute to the people who died And beyond the tribute to the families of the people who died Whose lives are are changed irrevocably Yes, It it was a show that Look, this is the only way that we as people Can react to these terrible things And it's by carrying on In as much normality as possible Even if normality itself has to adapt and change slightly
1: Indeed I mean, I don't have much to add to that. I must say, Andrew. I mean, okay. it's, it's the
0: only way, as you say. All right. Well, look, um, it's been a strange international break, but we we look to um, we look to carry on as we said, and football returns. And Arsene Wenger has been talking again in his press conference today about uh, doping in football, and he had some things yeah. to say, obviously, in that that wonderful uh, interview with Lequipe Sport and Style, which. Uh, which truly brought Arsene Wenger, the philosopher, to the fore. Um, It was an amazing piece, an amazing interview, because so often when you see Arsene Wenger interviewed, and I know that circumstances don't necessarily allow for, for that kind of interaction between a journalist and, and Arsene Wenger. Normally in a press conference, um, you know, papers and and, uh, and television companies are looking for a particular angle or particular story rather than to try and explore the depths of a man and his humanity. Uh, yes. but, but he did talk about... Um, doping in football, and he's spoken about it again today. Um, When someone like Arsene Wenger talks about this, Mm -hmm. you have to pay attention.
1: And what he said as well was um, struck uh, with uh, the seal of of good sense, common sense, to the point that you were wondering, why on earth hasn't anybody acted on that? I mean, it's um, doping in football uh, is probably not as endemic as it is in endurance sports and in athletics. But um, without giving names, we can all think of uh, players and teams which you know, would be quite suspect if they were uh, in other sports. Mm. And uh, what is suggested that um, instead of this stupid urine sample, uh, which are taken after in the Champions League, for example, which mean absolutely nothing because most of the uh, more sophisticated doping products are not detectable through this kind of testing should be and also the players it's an absolute agony for them you know when you spend 90 minutes on the pitch and you've got to produce the sample it's not fun you know it can take up to 2 hours yeah uh, just to have the necessary liquid uh, whereas um, a blood sample can be taken in a matter of you know 1 minute as as Arsène said and then uh, you you're able to um, determine whether with greater precision, whether th- that particular player has been uh, indulging in some uh, extra legal activities, and the other thing as well is that I am absolutely stunned that the idea of the, biome- you know, the biometric passport, as uh, biological passport, excuse me, mm. uh, ha- is not something which is already in, in place. Uh, it's not that complicated. It's not that expensive, given the resources which uh, are those of uh, the Premier League or the or UEFA or FIFA. Uh, it can be done. Yeah. And um, I'm surprised in a way that um, Wenger's very short comments in the interview with Eric Bilderman in in L'Equipe. I mention Eric's name because uh, the quality of the interview is also linked to the quality of the interviewer.
0: Yes, absolutely. uh, the
1: questions were were absolutely magnificent. Um, But he only alluded to that in, in a couple of sentences. But it's something that Wenger has been very open about for, I mean, for many, many years, um, he's convinced that, and I think with some reason, that his Monaco side um, was cheated through corruption, but also drug-taking, of perhaps two or three league titles when he was there in the late 80s and early 90s.
0: So this would have been the Marseille team.
1: Well, I can't possibly comment on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, well, we'll just look and see who won the league.
1: Uh, yes, well, you could say that perhaps you know uh, when Monaco came third, it was the team placed in second. Well, anyway, sure, whatever. But there was there was a uh, there was there were problems doping problems in French football at the time. There was, I mean, very well documented problems uh, in Italian football at the same time. Uh, we're still, I mean, astonished at the fact that. Um, Uh, the uh, Spanish prosecutors haven't been allowed um, to get a little bit deeper in what happened uh, in their country uh, with all those samples which were available but will not be tested and we'll never know. So, um, you know, um, there's also, uh, uh, I think it was, Arsene referred to uh, some players coming from Eastern European countries and coming back and having strange readings Mm. uh, in their tests um that doesn't come as a surprise either um and it's basically a problem that um football fa- very dysfunctional family uh, does not want to address because it could be a scandal i mean if it's big in athletics imagine what it would be like in football mm-hmm. if some of of the most of the more or better known players and more successful teams were shown to have played fast and lose with regulations. Yeah. Imagine imagine the consequences of sure. that. Well, and,
0: well that's uh, what I was going to ask you because, you know, what Arsene Wenger's talking about, and he, he mentions that today in his press conference, he's talking about sitting on the airplane after a Champions League game waiting two hours for a guy to mm-hmm. come back because because he can't provide a urine sample when he could provide a blood test. Uh, or a blood sample, which would then provide, as Arsene Wenger says, a deeper, a deeper test. It seems uh, completely reductive not to go down that road. So, I mean, it, you, your feeling is that the reason football doesn't want to address this problem is because perhaps football might be aware that there's a problem, and thus the the fallout from it and the um the the implications of that on the people who who run the game could go a long way.
1: The commercial implications, yes. In particular. And I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that, and I've said that for many years. And I don't think there will be uh, there would be many people within uh, the so-called football microcosm who would disagree with what I'm saying. Um, that there, there are loads of rumours circulating in football uh, linking some top players and some top teams to uh, strange practices, and they've been going on for years and years and years and years. And nobody's ever done anything about it. Um, you know, there haven't been any whistleblowers. Um, Again, I don't think that the problem, I maybe I'm being naive here, uh, football being a game of skill as much as a game of endurance, um, I I don't think the problem is as serious as it is in athletics, where it is mostly just about your physical capacities and, of course, mental Mm -hmm. ability, all these things, I agree. But it's first and foremost, your athletic abilities, which determine whether you're going to be successful or not. Uh, In football, that's not quite the case. So there is... No drug yet, uh, which can give you, uh, you know, um, uh, I don't know, Thierry Henry's touch, or you know, exactly. There's nothing like that, um, or Denis Burkham's touch, or intelligence. Um, I wish there were.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, well, these, I, I take these.
1: it, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's not the case, and I, I, I think that the football fans, as well, uh, in a way, are. are as, as we all are are a bit blind to the shortcomings of their sport and their own club yeah and um, you 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 do not want to have your icons, your heroes thrown off their pedestal because they've been uh, indulging in those um, again these extra legal uh, activities mm. you don't want it, and the sponsors don't want it to happen it's the worst thing that can possibly happen if you if the public loses confidence in in, in a particular team or a particular player. Um, the consequences on international competitions could could be absolutely huge. And uh, what I would say is that uh, we should apply to football exactly the same rule that people who know cycling applied to cycling when doping became endemic in the 1990s. And I mean serious doping, not just taking an amphetamine tablet or caffeine tablets or things like that, Mm. or or diuretics. And and, uh, When I'm talking about EPO and and, uh, human growth hormone and, and things like that, um, is that wh- whatever it's not suspicious but whatever is impossible is impossible and whatever uh, is impossible and happens means that something strange is going
0: on yeah i mean it's
1: and that's that's not, that's a golden rule and i'm afraid that it's absolutely uh, it's iron cast i mean it's there is absolutely no way if people shouldn't be running in the 90th minute as they were running in the second minute of a match that's full stop that's now, yeah Oh. Full stop. I mean, that's that's that, it, it. It's not possible. It's just not possible. Nobody can do it.
0: The Daniel Taylor wrote a good piece in the in the Guardian at, at the weekend. He talked about football shuffling its feet and looking the other way and hoping the problem uh-huh. goes away. Um And you mentioned a whistleblower there. Uh, and I, you know, I think uh, you've probably read the book by Paul Kimmage, Rough Ride. Of course. In which he he documented. Um, what was happening when he was a professional cyclist and and went against the the Omerta of the Peloton, so to speak. Um, if, If football looks the other way and the authorities look the other way, maybe there's somebody out there who has knowledge or experience of this who can perhaps... Become a footballing Paul Kimmage, but the risk of that, of course, is that you 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 can be cast as an outsider or or dismissed as a crank, or there could be a smear campaign against you. Is is that what it's going to take for somebody to
1: yes, to come uh, forward
0: and, I, and to risk that?
1: Uh, absolutely. And I think if you look back, uh, I, I would actually uh, direct you to um, um, uh, it's available on the net. I'm pretty sure to a um, uh, a speech that was given by Bonita Merciades who was the uh, former head of communication for the Australian 2022 bid, and who is a whistleblower and is one one of the people who was not named but very clearly identifiable in um, the um, um, disgracefully twisted report that uh, Hans-Joachim Eckert of FIFA's Essex Committee published in November 2014. She was basically clearly identifiable. She's a whistleblower. And read, read her speech at the Play the Game conference, which was recently given in Aarhus in, in Denmark. And she talks about her own experience as a whistleblower. It's not nice. Mm. The same way that the guy who um, uh, talked about uh, corruption uh, in French football uh, back in 1993, the famous uh, OM Valenciennes scandal. Yes. His career was cut short. He had to go and live somewhere else, there, i.e., in uh, in Tahiti. Uh, he basically uh, escaped the wrath of his uh, fellow professionals. He had broken the omerta, and that would be exactly the same thing uh, for somebody who would do uh, that in football. That, the extraordinary thing is, I, for example, I've spoken to a player. Uh, I obviously I cannot give his name, who was explaining to me um, how um, I mean when you take some drugs, I don't want to be too specific because you could probably guess who I'm talking about. They have a direct impact on um, the muscular, uh, on the morphology, but also the way the muscles behave and the way they harden. Mm. And, uh, and and he, he was telling me about how he was tackling in training and he thought, this guy's shins are just not what they should be. So like, there is something wrong going on here. And uh, it's... Um, well, could he, could he speak? Uh, no. He'd lo- he lose his job. Yeah. he loses his reputation, uh, probably. You've got to be 100% sure, because, which is one of the primes I have talking about this, because you don't want people to start you know, second-guessing you and so forth. So let's keep that as general as possible. Yes. Um, but the, the, whoever would, would be doing this, be it uh, a player or, or a manager or somebody who just happened to be around, like a physio or a doctor... Uh, would be instantly the uh, the butt of uh, more than criticism, but uh, character assassination and uh, probably dirty tricks as well. So you can understand why people are very careful about that, which is why it's got to come from the top. And at the uh, in cycling, it didn't happen. And it seems that the only, neither did, did it in athletics, it seems the only way things can happen is when the authorities, the police and justice, uh, take the lead and decide to act and um in football, there's no sign of this happening again, the economic and commercial interests are so huge compared to cycling and compared to athletics. I mean there is no comparison between the two mm. uh, even even if you take the Olympics into consideration but on you know on a daily basis, football is what well, is the number one sport in the world, and that's that uh, generates more money than any other sport um, and the the impact would be so huge. I mean, I've I've, I've yet to hear any sponsor of uh, the Champions League asking for more transparency in drugs testing. We know who they are. So maybe it could come from the fans as well. Maybe we should tell the sponsors through uh, organizations like the FSF, for example, in in, in the United Kingdom, uh, or supporters direct throughout Europe, uh, tell those guys, actually, we do want... More transparency uh, about this. We want drugs testing. We want this to be an even playing field. Mm. We don't want to be this to be a barnet, as it it's uh, an underhill, yeah. <laughs> as it it's it's it's, uh, it's going one way not the other. Yeah. Um, but it, it's going to take. I mean, a complete revolution, and maybe you know, maybe Wenger uh, could be a. I mean, a, a flag bearer for
0: this. Mm. What about the other managers in football? What about um, you know? <sighs> In a way, maybe they're not going to piss on their own chips, if you'll pardon no. the expression. But, you know, if, if you are for a clean sport and if this is what's important and what will make the sport great for years to come, um, do you think that perhaps after speaking out about this once, twice, three times now, that other managers are going to be asked about it and perhaps that with a bit more pressure from within the game itself, that those changes can be made?
1: No, I don't think it will happen. You don't
0: think any other managers will speak out about it, or will be asked about it, or?
1: I think they should be asked about it. Mm. I don't, I'm not sure that they will necessarily follow Wenger's lead on this one. And again, I'm, I can't name names, but uh, yeah, I, I can. I can see why they wouldn't do it. And I, I, it's, it's, you've got to, you know, the, the other thing is that you, you've got to be absolutely. You can't go around and, and branding this person a, a cheat or, or whatever. Uh, you've got to have elements at your disposal. And uh, football is a very gossipy world. Yes. And um, as I said, you know, stories circulate within the milieu, but they don't get out because nobody's got the, uh, you know, the the proof. As for example, um, you know, you had when uh, the French police raided the Festina team in the Tour de France or when um, Wada. Commissioned this independent report um, and 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 had this commission. I mean, I wish, you know, Dick Pound, you know, for goodness sake, what a man, I love him. I <laughs> take him and ask him to do the same thing for football. And there's a complete lack of leadership, um, which is also, you know, one of the, at the moment, we were talking a lot about football governance. And I think people are a bit too obsessed about things like corruption and brown paper envelopes and uh, things like that. But surely um, it, it is a question that, uh, FIFA and, and our own confederation, UEFA, should put at the top of their agenda. But is there any sign of this happening? Um, yes, they talk about anti-doping. They say that you know doping is wrong and that they're doing their utmost to do this. They could do far, far more. Mm. Is the will there? And we, we're going to have a new FIFA president in February if the election takes place. Uh, has any of the candidates yet spoken clearly about um, the, the doping issue? Not really, not really. Perhaps the question should be put to them too. Mm. Perhaps the question should be put to uh, what is left of FIFA at the moment, and what is there is of, of UEFA at the moment. Perhaps Gianni Infantino, the candidate. For the presidency of of, of UEFA, of of FIFA, and General Secretary of UEFA should be asked those questions next time he appears in public. And actually, that's a very good idea. Next time I see him, I'll put the question to him.
0: Yes, do that. That would be great. I will
1: do that. Perhaps you could do
0: it. Perhaps you could do it um, at the start of one of those interminable draws for the Champions League or or, or the UEFA (laughs) or the Europa League rather than listen to that. Make him answer something interesting, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting though to see, you know, the, the the response to Wenger's comments, and perhaps the the lack of response might tell us as much as we need to know.
1: I think it will be a lack of response more than anything, unless it is fanned by the uh, by by the media. And uh, I, I think, as a matter of fact, more attention has been given to what Wenger has said in England, and I would say in well, in the British Isles, yeah. than then, then, then has been elsewhere. Obviously, because Wenger is the manager of Arsenal in the Premier League and so forth. But I haven't seen many, many uh, reactions outside of that, uh, outside of the British Isles. Um, and be it, you know, France, there's been some, but Germany, no, I haven't seen much. Uh, Italy, Spain, you name it. Russia, oh, no, I haven't seen anything. Mm. I might be wrong, you know. If I'm wrong, I, I do apologise. But yeah. I, I, it's very much um, a one man show at the moment.
0: Seems to be all right. Well, look, um, we can come back to that, and we'll obviously uh, talk to you as and when you manage to pose that question to the man we just spoke about. So, what well, do you know about it? Yeah, do have a tape recorder on you. But very quickly, um, <laughs> let's let's discuss Arsenal just for a little bit. Um, yeah. The fixtures coming up aren't terribly unkind.
1: That's uh, an interesting double negative. It is. Like <laughs> it's a good one. I like it. Good, I like but,
0: it. <laughs> but um, ideally, you'd be able to perhaps rotate the squad a, a little bit over the coming weeks. Um,
1: whatever you can rotate. Whatever. With whoever is left. This is
0: this is exactly the point. Uh, no Aaron Ramsey for this weekend. No Alex Oxley chamberlain for this weekend, although Hector Bellerin returns. Alexis has <laughs> yes. been away playing two busy internationals. Even Joel Campbell was away playing an international at, at midnight the other night, uh, UK time. So um, th- th- there's a bit for the manager to, to work out there. Alexis, in particular, how, how do you view how we continue to get the best out of him despite the fact that it looks as if all the football that he's been playing is catching up with him?
1: I think it's uh, how do we get the better of Alexis rather than how do we get the best because okay. I don't think we're going to get the best of Alexis for a while I mean uh, you know, give give the man a, a break. Give him what he deserves, which is a round of applause and hoorays you know, resounding round the stadium. Because what he's doing is just extraordinary, and this is a, this is a man who's been playing non stop basically uh, for God knows how many years. And who was playing quite a lot when he was at Barcelona, which people have forgotten. He, he played rather more than people think. Mm. And then he had the World Cup, and then he had the uh, Copa America, in which he was magnificent. Uh, he scored all these goals for Arsenal. He's still running as if, if life depended on it. Maybe his life depends on it. Uh, I don't know. He, he, you know, it's a bit like um, uh, one of those uh, engines which to function... Need to function as in the energy they spend is the energy they need to um, to function, which is a weird way of putting it, sure, but, I know what you mean and um, if you look at the at the fixtures ahead, I mean West Brom is by no means an easy one, but you would imagine that it's a very prudent, very cautious team, and you know scoring one goal might be enough there. Uh, honestly, Dinamo Zagreb shouldn't be a problem, provided uh, that we play better. Check in goal this time. Uh, Norwich away, yeah, fine. Ast- uh, Sunderland at home, yeah, fine. Olympiakos is a huge, will be a huge game, as we all know on, on the ninth of December. But you're right; the officialist the, the is not unkind, and you would imagine, but that that by twenty-first of December, when uh, we welcome. Uh, in our own special way Manchester City um, (laughs) Arsenal could well be in a position where they're genuinely top of the league on their own Mm. if you compare their fixtures list to the fixtures list of the people who are around them, it certainly is the most favourable and um, After that, it's a bit more complicated, you know. uh, City, then Southampton away. That's going to be tough. That's going to be very, very tough.
0: Is it about building momentum then, using these fixtures to like propel us into the this difficult period and over the Christmas period? Obviously, you're playing, uh, you know, every every couple of days. So uh, this is a good chance of of building some momentum.
1: Well, the momentum is already here. If you look at the results, certainly in 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 the Premier League, you know, you, you look at at the last six games, and you see you see five. A wins and a draw against what is a very 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 good tottenham side mm. um so think well the momentum is there there's no problem about that the, the psychological momentum unfortunately um it's a bit down to uh i mean there's it's it's just absolutely astonishing that you know we're we're nineteenth of November, and here we are with i don't know ten players in um in 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 the infirmary and and not ten players who would be on the bench or in the reserves. Yeah. So in a way, but you know, you should see the glass half full and see that this uh, row of fixtures awaiting Arsenal when Arsenal is weakened, um, is actually quite kind also for that matter, because if you had to play say, uh, Manchester United or, uh, Crystal Palace or, uh, Everton or, uh, whatever, one, one of those sides, what doing, you know, reasonably well, mm. uh, you would say, oh dear, um, it's going to be tough this time. You know, even with the um, smaller resources, lighter resources that Wenger has got at his disposal, surely you know when you look at those teams, you think, oh, come on. Even with the injured players, Arsenal are vastly superior technically um, to to those teams. Mm. There's no doubt about that. There's, a, there's there's still a gulf between between them. So. You know, uh, it would be a matter of managing um, a very tired and sore side. Um, The the international break, I don't think it will make a huge difference in terms of um, the state of, um, you know, the teams that you're meeting because these days, most players in the Premier League actually do take part in games in the international break. It's not as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if you looked at West Brom, I mean, I haven't, you know, looked exactly, but for example, all the the Northern Irish, they play, um, and there's quite a lot of them in that team. Yeah. Uh, so um, it it won't pr- perhaps have the same impact that it would have been in years past, um, and you know, it's the the occasion is there. I mean, it's a, it's a completely open title race and. Uh, I still believe Arsenal are very, very well placed in it.
0: All right. Well, look, let's hope we can pick up where we left off before the international break. As always, fascinating stuff, Philippe. Thank you very much indeed.
1: Thank you very much, Andrew.
0: Always brilliant to talk to Philippe. And uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can do that. He's at Philippe Eau Claire, at Philippe Eau Claire. If you're not following already, do it now. Right then, time for our second competition on this week's Arscast. It's like a, a gala of giveaways, a, a pageant of prizes, and what we have are three tubs of beard balm and uh, three bottles of beard conditioning oil provided to us by Percy Nobleman. I've decided Nobleman is the best way to go because it sounds more noble than Nobleman. It sounds a little bit common. So Percy, nobleman, have given us these prizes. If you have a beard, if you'd like something to take care of it, well, this is just the stuff for you. And I should say that this competition is not open simply to men who have beards, even though the prize probably suits them better than anyone else. But anybody can enter and anybody can win. All right, so you might know somebody with a beard or you might find alternative uses for beard balm and... Beard conditioning oil. People have hair all over the place. You never know what they might do with it. So look, if you would like to be in with a chance to win one of these three prizes, simply answer the following question. We are playing West Brom at the weekend. West Brom. Which current Arsenal player is on loan at West Brom? So which current Arsenal player is on loan at West Brom? Send me an email, please, to competition at arsblog.com. That is competition at arsblog.com. And I'll give you the winners on next week's show. If you want to check out their stuff, it's percynobleman.com or you can pick it up in boots. If you've got a beard that's in urgent need of conditioning and looking after, go to your local boots and Percy Nobleman have just what you need. On Monday's Arsecast Extra, myself and James gave you a competition, a chance to win some goodies from SavileRogue.com. We had two pairs of wrist warmers and two beanie hats to give away. The random number generator has done its thing. It's picked out four winners. Oh, and I should mention that the uh, the answer to the competition was uh, Matthew Flamini's first goal uh, for Arsenal came in a 7-0 win over Everton. So it was against Everton that he scored his first goal. Anyway, the winners are Adam Dimitreu and Jack Pierce. You get the wrist warmers and the beanie hats go to Julian Murray and Tad Swar. I'll be in touch with you guys and we'll get the prizes sent out to you just as soon as we can. Remember that if you do want to do some shopping, some Christmas shopping, visit Saville-Rogue.com and use the code. 10RSBLOG, that's 10RSBLOG, you'll get 10% off your order. So coming up to Christmas, you'll find exactly what you need for the football fan in your life at Savile Rogue.com and use the code 10RSBLOG to get yourself a 10% discount. So looking ahead to this weekend's game against West Brom, a trip uh, away from home to play a Tony Pulis side, which is, which is never easy, as we know, and we'll be looking to sort of pick up where we left off uh, from where we went into the international break. Actually, I don't think we'd like to pick up exactly there because there was that slightly tired, leggy, jaded display against Tottenham, which was only... Uh, salvaged by a Kieran Gibbs goal late on. So it wasn't really our best game. And before that, there was the the Bayern Munich game. But before that, again, there was the Swansea game, away from home where we won 3-0. So if we could, you know, sort of pick up from there and just sort of repeat that, that would be very nice indeed. What the manager will do in terms of his team, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, we spoke a little earlier about Lauren Koscielny and whether he'll be in the right frame of mind to play. I have to say I would be surprised if he wasn't, I think, perhaps Tuesday... The emotion of it all and how soon it was uh, after what happened in Paris. I think that maybe caught up with him a little bit. But, you know, we all have those moments in our lives where we have a little bit of an emotional release. And that in itself is, is a good thing. And you, uh, you feel better afterwards. And I would be surprised if he wasn't in the team on Saturday. Uh, Alexis is just back, as we know, from two internationals. Ideally, you'd like to rest him. Realistically, it doesn't seem possible, especially when Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Aaron Ramsey are not back in the side. Uh, two men who could perhaps have added a bit of zip and perhaps have afforded the manager a chance uh, to rest Alexis. I don't think that'll happen. Mesut will be nice and fresh, of course. He's had the uh, international break off, which was very kind of of Yogi Love. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, So he'll be well-rested. Uh, Hector Bellerin is back also That's good news So he'll come in at right back Ahead of Matthew Debuchy Up front without Theo Walcott Olivier Giroud Hopefully himself not feeling too fragile um, Emotionally after after everything He's the only forward we've got Really I know Joel Campbell can play there But I suspect Joel Campbell will play On the right hand side and, you know, we, we go into a, a schedule of fixtures, as we said with Philippe, that look very winnable, that could garner us a lot of points before we hit a clutch of fixtures, which are much more difficult. So these are the games against uh, West Brom, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but against Sunderland, against Aston Villa, against Norwich. These are the games I think if you really do have realistic ambitions of being champions, you've got to win these games can't really afford to drop too many points because then you put the pressure on yourselves in the bigger games. And look, we've done all right in those, but these are the ones. This is the bread and butter of the Premier League, and hopefully we can take uh, as many points as possible from these games. And then, of course, next uh, Tuesday, there's a Champions League game at home to Dinamo Zagreb. Again, whether uh, Oxy chamberlain or Ramsey will be back for that, I don't know. Uh, much depends, of course, on what happens between Bayern and Olympiakos. If we beat Zagreb and Bayern beat Olympiakos, then we can go to Greece on the final round, and with the right scoreline, we can qualify for the knockout stages of the Champions League. But that is a game that myself and James will preview on the Arscast Extra on Monday. Of course, we'll be reviewing whatever happens at the weekend against West Brom. I'm going to keep everything crossed for this one, I have to say. I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. I think it's going to be a tough one, particularly physically, and whether or not we can do like we did to Swansea, like we did to Watford, where it was a bit of a dodgy first half and we held out, then turned the screw and scored the goals in the final third of the game. Um, Decent away performances. But, of course, when you're playing a Tony side, you know it's going to be a physical test and a big battle. And whether or not we've got the legs for it, we'll have to wait and see. But hopefully that's the case. So, look, I'm going to leave it there for this week's Arscast. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Much appreciated, as always. Ways. I'll be here on Monday with James with an Arsecast Extra. So until then, have a great weekend. Here's the three points tomorrow. Uh, until the next one, cheers. Bye-bye.